I want to talk to you about winning the inner battle. Now, one of the things I know about you is if you follow Christ, you have an inner battle. And it goes on a whole lot more than you would like it to. Uh, before we come to Christ, sometimes we have twinges of conscience. And we know we shouldn't have done something. We tend to take those things and sort of stuff them in the sack of our memories and try to forget them. And we don't, it doesn't bother us too much. Once you come to Christ, he's actually working in you to do rightly. At the same time, you're also working. And sometimes you want to do right and sometimes you don't. Actually, sometimes you want to do right, but it's just not easy. And you like easy. Or sometimes... You want to do right, but that means you would lose control on some issues, and you like control. Uh, sometimes you want to do right, but that would cut it on your fun. And oh, <laughs> we love the fun. <laughs> uh, sometimes you want to do right, but, you know, you really like to be the prima donna. You like to be the star. Now, you're not, I mean, you know. You know. You're not Lady Gaga uh, or somebody else. You, you know you're not a star. But insofar as ordinary people go, you deserve to get the attention. And we'd like to really do right, but it's sort of a humbling. And then sometimes for some of us, we'd like to do right, but people have hurt us. And we, we'll do right after we get revenge. Um, we, we just have these battles. The reason why we have a battle is we have a divided heart. Humanity itself is broken. Once made in the image of God. And good, actually good. Now, we, re we still reflect God in the way we are. But it's very poorly. And there's a lot of bad we'd like to do. Noble and cruel. Whenever you come to Christ, uh, you still have a problem. It's called the flesh, and we're going to take a look at it. Uh, before we get into it, though, I want to make a comment. Um, did you know if you are a Christ follower, you are intended to partner with God? Now, I want you to grasp this. Now, God does not need your help. He's giving you the opportunity, sort of like a major architectural firm, and you're a nobody, but you are in architecture, so they let you come along for the summer. This is the way it is with God. He gives us the opportunity to partner with him. And he actually expects partnership. So uh, there are things you end up having to do because you have responsibility. Now, many times in our, in our music, our contemporary music, and I'm, I'm not saying anything about what we just sang, by the way, so John can rest peacefully. And the others of you don't have to be guilty. Uh, but a lot of times in our, in our contemporary music, what we do is we sing songs that sort of say, God, would you just supernaturally do something that would make me turn on and do right? Or God, would you just supernaturally do something that would just put the world right? And it's actually, it's okay to pray for the Father to 
do things in your heart to give you desire to move on. And it's okay to pray for God to do things where God really can do stuff. However, uh, since you are now young adults and you're getting less young all the time, you need to know this. God is going to act and you're going to get the blisters. God's going to work and you're going to get the tired muscles. He can work beyond you, but he's definitely going to work through you. And you need to grasp this. Uh, you're going to have to work for your growth. Jude, the end of the book of Jude, one chapter, around verse 20, it says, 20 and 21, build yourself up in your most holy faith. Now this is, you do this, not your preacher, not your student director. You do this. Wow. Hmm. Why am I not growing? How much have you been building? I never thought of that. Oh, God, turn, turn me on. And God's saying, well, crank your engine. Now, we have to do things. This is also true in the work of ministry. In Ephesians 4, 11, it talks about the different leaders in the church, evangelists, on down to pastors and teachers, and it says their responsibility, this is a new living, their responsibility is to train, equip the members of the church to do the work of God and build up the church. Uh, this is your work. You're the ones to build up the church. That the pastors have a role, but you're the one to build it up. This is yours. Oh, God, grow a mighty church here. Okay, where do you want to start? I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> Come on, God. Well, again, God's going to work, and his people get the blisters. It's part of their joy. You, you will get to see God work through you, but you're going to have to step up. In this area of walking in the Holy Spirit, there are all kinds of things that God does in you. But it comes as you participate with him. And we're going to look at that because this is how you win the inner battle. I want to, you, you can read along with me. I'm going to read these out loud. These are several verses about walking in the Spirit and about this thing called the flesh. It's not just talking about, you know, the, the meat on your body. There is a few times in the, in the Bible where that's used in that sense. But in the New Testament, when it talks about the flesh, he's talking about the old desire to sin that's still in you after you're converted. You need to learn about this. I say, Paul writes, the apostle, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do you get control of this thing? You walk by the Spirit or walk in the Spirit. We'll talk more about what that means. Uh, for the flesh, the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The Spirit of God has moved into you, and there is stuff in you that is going to oppose Him. Uh, you don't have to volunteer for it. It's just going to happen. Uh, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. He is absolutely dead set determined to move you in a different direction. Uh, so, uh, Paul goes on, these two are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, the result of having the flesh and the spirit at work in you is a lot of times you just sort of end up frustrated. 
Well, sometimes the frustration is you didn't get to be as bad as you wanted to. Other times the frustration is you weren't as good as you should have been. So this war goes on. You play a role in it. You need to understand this. Uh, in case you're wondering, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. What he's saying is the requirements of the law have been met in Christ Jesus whenever you are united with him. One, one verse in the Bible says you actually died to the law. It doesn't mean you no longer keep it. It means that it is not the angle of approach now to God. You've already been accepted because of Christ. Because of that, you're concerned about the law to do what's right before God. Because you are accepted, then you do what is acceptable. Uh, the works, in case you're wondering about the flesh, he wants you to be sure you understand this. The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality. Hmm. Of course, we never run into that today. Uh, most of the sin lists in the New Testament start with sexual immorality. You know why? It was number one on the top ten in the early church. And you know what? It's still number one on the top ten in today's church. Major problem. Sexual immorality, impurity, uh, sensuality, um, idolatry. Greed is actually idolatry. Another verse says, Americans rarely worship little figurines. They worship little green pieces of paper. Uh, sorcery, witchcraft. Enmity, that is that bad attitude toward other people. Strife, that's when it breaks out into just warfare and conniving. Jealousy, have you ever been jealous of anyone? Hmm. Yeah, it's called Facebook. Now, yeah. you know, on Facebook, one of, the, one of the basic functions of Facebook is to help other people envy properly. You have to have the right photo. It's not enough to go a wonderful place. There must be a selfie to prove it. Now, Facebook can be fun, but there's a, there's a whole lot of posturing on it. Uh, so, anyway, uh, jealousy, fits of anger. And you've never been angry, of course. Rivalries. Some of us don't have really get into rivalries. Other people are really into this. Dissensions, arguments, you know, factions and groups. Uh, divisions. Uh, envy. Drunkenness. Getting high. Orgies. Actually, drunkenness and sort of leads into them. <laughs> if he's not about raves, he might have mentioned raves, but he didn't. <laughs> but he does say, and things like that. In other words, you guys know what I'm talking about. <coughs> uh, yeah, this, this, is, this is pretty well life. This, this is the trouble in families. This is the trouble in friendships. These are the troubles in dating. These are the troubles. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. This, this is stuff that is produced by this thing in us, the flesh. And we're complicit with it. But the fruit of the Spirit, now on the other side, since the flesh and the Spirit are opposed, the fruit of the Spirit is this, love. Uh, this love, by the way, is not just, I love you, man. It's a willingness to sacrifice for what is right to other people before God. 
you're willing to sacrifice because it's right. So even though you might not even like them, that's why you love your enemies. It's just right. It's love. Joy. The joy here is not just the, I am so blissed out. <gasps> this is just a basic undercurrent in your life that, that God gives. And occasionally it, bursts, it breaks out in exuberance, but mostly it's just sort of there. Joy, peace. There's peace between you and God, peace between you and people. Patience. And the patience here is not just sitting on the front porch, rocking and waiting on God. <laughs> this is the word in the Greek language is a very manly word, actually. It's someone who bears up under tremendous pressure and difficulty and still pushes through with an upbeat attitude. Kindness. Kindness helps other people with their goals. Goodness just does, it does good to people, but kindness is helpful to other people. Um, faithfulness. You know, whenever you say something, you do it. You make financial commitments, you pay them. You keep your promises. One of the problems that develops between parents and kids is mom and dad make a lot of promises they don't keep. Well, one of the things you do as you get kids is you learn not to say that much about what you're going to do first. <laughs> but then if you do, you deliver. Now, God's concerned about faithfulness, too, all across the board. But this, this is what happens when the God who is faithful comes to live within you. Uh, gentleness. The opposite would be being rough with people or harsh. This is just treating people gently. You can be very firm but gentle. Self-control. The thought is, you're in the driver's seat, not something else. Not your anger. Uh, not your lusts. Not your craving for euphoria or revenge. You're in control. You're, you're in control of yourself. God wants you to actually run your own life. Not have something else or someone else run it. So these things grow out of God living within you. They're the fruit. The root of the fruit is the Holy Spirit living within you. These things grow in your life over time as you walk in the Spirit. But the other stuff is there, and it's ever-present, ever-available. Uh, scripture says, there's no, no, these things aren't against the law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Well, if you've crucified it, what's it doing messing with you? Well, this is what we are talking about earlier today. This, the, the break has occurred. And now you must break with it. Because you are. Sin will no longer be your master. This thing, this thing is destined for the pit. It will be in your life as long as you live, but there will be a day it's over. Now you've died to it, so now die to it. Because you have, then you should. Indicative, imperative. They've crucified flesh with passions and desires. We'll talk more about that. Uh, here's another verse. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You know, sometimes when you have problems, you, you want to feel better. And um, used to it was Red Mountain wine at USC. It's good and cheap. They're, you can buy quarts of it real cheap. Uh, years ago, Red Fox, an old comedian on Sanford and Son on TV. Funny, funny guy. He said that Ripple was the national drink where he was from. Yeah, it, it lifts your spirits. 
Or maybe you can afford the stronger stuff. <laughs> or maybe you go to drugs. Not, not liquid. But it's all about the same thing. <coughs> I'm feeling very bad. There's a shortcut to feeling good. I'll take it. Here's the problem with that. Once you are not in control, all kinds of things can happen to you. A guy told me years ago, we had a singles event. And he's about 30 years old. They'd had a great time. And nobody had gotten drunk or anything. They just had a fabulous time one Friday evening. This fellow came on came to church on Sunday. He said, you know, he, he was not a follower of Christ. He said, I, I came to that thing that the group had Friday night. That was fun. He paused and he said, I have never had that much fun and remembered it. <laughs> yeah. You can actually remember your good times. So uh, don't get drunk on the wine, which leads to debauchery. It just wastes you. Uh, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Hmm. Be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, if you're filled with wine, we know what that means. You're a little wobbly trying to hold your mouth straight. It, it, affects, it affects your behavior. If you're filled with the Spirit, what you're doing is you're walking in the Spirit, and He is leading you. So, and the way this is written, by the way, Ephesians 5.18 it's be filled with the Spirit over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. There's a Greek verb form for it. Why do you have to be filled with the Spirit over and over and over again? Because you leak. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, these, these are verses of Scripture, and they are dead serious. They sound a little bit sort of mystical or... Something? What's going on here? Uh, so let's dive in. Christ followers struggle against the flesh. The flesh is basically the desire to sin that remains in you. We're not a finished product yet. There will be a day when we see Christ Jesus, everything will be finished. Until then, we're going to deal with this desire to sin. Why did Christ leave this within me? I'm not at all sure of all the reasons, but it made sense to him. And since he's in charge, that's enough. Uh, he intends, intends us to learn through it. Before conversion, it dominates us. You can read Romans 7, 7 through 11 about this. It just dominates you. I mean, you, you just do the desires that are in you. You don't think, sit down and think, how can I plot to do evil today? What does God not, not like? Yes, I will do that. No, all you do is you just do what makes sense to you. If you have the opportunity for fun, you take it. In process, people get hurt. Or you decide you're just fried with something and you abandon it. In process, people get hurt. Uh, we still, but after conversion, its dominion has been broken. It is not your ruler. Like sin's dominion has been broken. It's, it's not your ruler, but it is still a potent force. And you can yield to it. Uh, as a matter of fact, we tend to yield to it. So how do you, how do you master this? How do you, I mean, you, you've got this war going on inside. You want to follow Christ. And at the same time, there's some other stuff you'd really like to do this weekend. How do you win the war? You walk in the spirit. How do you win the inner battle against the flesh? This is Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If this runs your life, you're headed for the pit. But if by, this, by the Spirit you put to death 
the deeds of the body, he's talking about this flesh thing, you will live. By the Spirit, you put to death the immorality. By the Spirit, you put to death the enmity, the bitterness. By the Spirit, you put to death the jealousy. How do you do that? Another verse. I say, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you want to win the inner battle, you have to walk by the Spirit. To walk by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, or to walk in the Holy Spirit... Both terms are used in this sort of like the, in the realm of the Holy Spirit. To walk by the Spirit is to walk by his help and aid. Um, to, this, this is a, a good definition of walking in the Spirit. To walk in or by the Spirit is to live continuously in the realm of the Holy Spirit's desires and resources. If you're going to walk by the Spirit, you're going to be using his resources that's what's going to help you move through situations. You're also going to be staying in the realm of his desires. He has desires for you. If you're going to walk in the spirit, you're in the realm of his desires. When the desires go outside what he wants, you're not walking in the spirit anymore. His desires and resources. He wants us to live a godly life. Titus 2, 11, 14, 11 through 14 talks about this. It says that you used to live controlled by your passions. Now, live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Self-controlled, first, you, you be in the driver's seat. Uh, second, upright, uh, you know, you're acting by God's standards. But third thing, godly, what does that mean? The Greek word basically means something like this, God-referenced. That is, as you're moving along and you're making decisions, you're making choices, what you do is you reference God to see this, if this fits with him. If it doesn't, then you don't do that. There's a term ungodly. What that means is not God reference. There's a Greek, Greek word for it. As you're making decisions, you're choosing what you're going to do, you never reference God. You just live like you think. So you're checking in with God. On your decisions. Uh, you live by his, in his desires and by his resources. Um, to walk in the spirit. On, on the desires. To walk in the spirit. We keep doing what the spirit desires. Just this choice. The next choice. The next choice. Uh, we live God referenced. We're making our choices by God's reference. In this present age. Which is not God referenced by the way. Now, if you ever wonder what not God referenced is, just watch the Academy Awards. It's a good lesson. And it's great that excellence is awarded, but it's just a very different value system. Uh, or any, any of a number of other things. If we step out of his desires, what we do is this. Whenever you, whenever you decide to, you're going to rebel, you step out, then, at that point, you admit it. You agree with God. Well, the, the English word confess reflects a Greek word that means say the same things as him. So, whenever you, whenever you sin, what do you say? <coughs> well, God, I guess I was just a little risque. No, you're just foul-mouthed. Well, God, I guess I got a little hot. No, you're angry. Just call it that. That's what he's calling you to agree with him. 
Well, God, I guess I had some inappropriate thoughts. No, you lusted. Just call it that. Just call it that. Get it over with. Well, God, I guess I, I guess, I guess I wasn't thinking as much of you as I should. No, you doubted him. Tell him, you doubted God. You said, just call it what it is. We spend a lot of time trying to put makeup and lipstick on something that's just very, very ugly. Well, listen, I was, I guess I was a little harsh. No, you were rude. That's what you were. You were rude. Just call it rude. That's a biblical word. Uh, so you, what you do is you agree with God, and you thank him for his forgiveness, and then you just ask the Holy Spirit, fill me and control me. Leave me now. It's over with. You know what normally happens? We step out, and then the Lord begins to work on our hearts, and we feel bad about things. <laughs> it's just hard to say, I sinned. I messed up a little. Finally, we get to the point where we say, I sinned, God. And then we begin to beat ourselves up emotionally. Oh, I'm just a horrible person. And uh, I'm just down on myself. I make myself feel bad. I'm just down, I drag along, I'm in self-pity, and I'm dragging along on the ground out of grief over my sin, I'm punishing myself. It's called self-righteousness. Whenever I punish myself long enough, whenever I feel bad enough about me long enough, then I begin to feel good about me because I've done enough now. Christ already died for that on the cross. Don't insult him by trying to add your two cents to it. This, this is of the enemy. Whenever you sin and you confess it, you are forgiven. Now, if you did something that hurt people and you need to straighten it out and, and clean it up and maybe make restitution, you do that. But you don't get into this emotional game of beating me up and thinking of all my past sins and how wretched I am so that after I have felt bad enough about me, I can feel good about me again. No, no, no. He's for, he forgave it. He gave you freedom. Confess it. Thank him for his forgiveness, and then walk on and don't mess around in the mud here. This is, this is freedom in Christ. It is not that sin is insignificant. It's so significant, he died for it. But he died for it. It's done. Let it go. Let it go. Ask him to fill you, control you, and then lead you. And he will. Uh, you move forward again, doing what God desires. I, I know this by, by experience. You know, I, I went through the normal thing of my sin. Oh, God's been so good to me. I just, that's awful to do that. And then here we go. I beat me up, beat me up, beat me up. And then three or four days later, after enough self-flagellation, whipping, wearing my emotional hair shirt and wire belts. After I've suffered enough, then I can feel good about me again. I can go on. No, 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 no. You're free. Enjoy the freedom. Live in it. You also have to use his resources, though. If you don't use his resources, you're going to have a lot of problems. We use the Spirit's resources. To walk in the Spirit, I, aggress this, I aggressively, regularly spend time using what he gave to strengthen me. You know, if you're, if you're nearly dead of starvation and there are all kinds of McDonald's hamburgers around, 
I mean, it may not be a gourmet meal, but it's something you ought to eat. But many times what we do is we ignore the Lord's food and we grow weak. Or we refuse to do what he says and we ended up in the wrong place and his resources are really somewhere else. You, you have to learn to use his resources. Here they are. Uh, the first one is the Bible. God's word. Psalm 119, 9 11 says, How's a young man or a young woman keep her way pure? By guarding it according to God's word. I've laid up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Find, write down what your favorite sins are. Do you know what they are? Just review the past week. You did them several times. As a matter of fact, you tend to sort of get bothered with yourself over them. Write down what your favorite sins are and then find a verse of scripture that actually deals with this sin, what you do with it. You memorize the verse, and then when the thing starts coming up, you use the verse. I, I learned to do this. My scripture memory was built around Harold's problems. It really helped me. I memorized some books of the Bible, but you know, if, if I memorized Titus, book of Titus. But if the verse that I need is in Titus 3.6, it's a long way from 1.1. <laughs> if I memorize it according to the, my, my issues, I've got it immediately. I've got it right there. I can use it. So, uh, but you have to use it. It's your food. The Bible says God's word's your food. If you don't eat food, what happens to you? Now you get very hungry. In my case, it might take a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we all have to eat. We all have to live. The life comes by food. Man does not live by bread alone. What does he live by? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God's word is your food. Uh, God's word is your light. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Somebody walking through a forest at night. It's a light to your way. What do you do if you leave your flashlight at home? Go very slow. Feel along the way. Yeah. It's your light. If you don't have it, you, you don't have much light. You get in situations, and you're in trouble before you know it. Uh, it's your instructions. It gives you lessons about life. This is why it's on 119.11. Uh, you guard it according to God's word because it tells you stuff. Now, if you, if you are not into the scriptures, I mean on your own, if you're not actively into the scriptures, I don't mean you're studying the Bible all the time. Nobody has that much time. Now, you, you have to eat. You have to shower. We appreciate the fact that you shower. It takes time. <laughs> you have to put gas in the car. You know, they're, they're just all this stuff in life. But if you're not eating regularly, you grow weak. If you're, not, if you're not getting light out of the book, you have a lot of trouble discerning issues. Uh, you have to do this regularly. Prayer. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about how as we behold the Lord, we grow, we change. First uh, Thess 5.17 says, pray constantly. How do you pray constantly? It's hard to stay in your room constantly. Praying, oh, Father. 
Uh, what he's talking about is, as we go, we pray. There are special times of prayer. But this is something that's just it's like breathing air. You're in situations, you ask for help, you might pray for people. But as you're moving through the day, you pray. Now, for me, it took quite a while to learn that God was always with me. To learn that I could talk to him about things. One time I was really praying, God, please give me a friend. I actually prayed this for three years. Now, we'd moved to Fort Worth. I had good friends in L.A. And my wife was there. She's a dear friend. But I wanted a guy, you know, just to share my heart with. I prayed and 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 prayed. After about two years, it's like daily prayer. After about two years, one morning I was praying, God, please give me a friend. The Lord says, I'm your friend. You know what my reaction was? This is honest. I said, but I want somebody real. (laughs) That's what I felt. I just honest. And the Lord said, you know I'm real. I said, yeah, I do. So I had to learn how to talk to God as though he were my friend. I I have to talk to him with respect. But that was was a year of learning. After a year of that, I found there's a guy friend who's a very dear friend to me for many years. Uh, You are intended to stay in touch with the Father and talk to him about stuff. It may be about how you're feeling. It might be about what you're facing. It might just be gratitude. This is strengthening to you. Uh, Prayer, fellowship. Uh, You are in contact with and interchange with people who are serious about walking with God. Uh, Hebrews 3.13 talks about how we're to encourage one another so that we not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The idea is on sin's deceitfulness, um, the word in the Greek is a word that means to be sort of mesmerized, almost like a mirage. You see something that's really out of bounds, and you want it, and you're not doing it yet, but oh, you're thinking. What happens to you as you begin to do this is you become hardened. You're hardened like clay in the sun, and you will grow deaf toward God. I've seen people do it over and over and over again. And you're not, you're not saying, I don't want to hear you anymore, God. It's just that this is so entrancing. And you know, oh, you wish. <sighs> and you grow insensitive. The fellowship helps call you past this. They see it happening. They call you past it. You want them to call you before you get deaf. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 uses the same word. We're to encourage. Think about how to encourage one another. Do you ever need encouragement to do right? Yeah. How many of y'all would just love to have someone to encourage you to do right? Yeah. So start encouraging people. You start giving it out, it'll start coming back. But we have to be running with people. You will become like the people you hang out with. This is just how life is. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men becomes wise. But the companion, the idea, actually the word in Hebrew is a word that means grazing buddy. You're the sheep out there and grazing on the field. And you got your buds with you. Your grazing buddies. If your grazing buddies are, the actual Hebrew word means the easy way guys. 
It's a fool word, but it's an easy way fool. If they're the easy way guys, you're going to suffer harm. You pick your friends, you pick your future friend. And you cannot fool yourself about this. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, don't be deceived. The reason it says that is because people are deceived. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. I don't know about you, but I've had some, I had some friends who had negative influence on me, and they were fun guys. I still like them. But if I hang out with them, it's not good for me. You make a choice. You, you pick your grazing buddies from people that are going to press on to know God. Do I let the world go then? I'm supposed to love the world. Yes, you are. You're supposed to love people. Do that. But you pick your heart ties very carefully. Fellowship. It's very popular today to have gone past the church. You know, the church has just either treated me poorly or been so, such a poor organization. I have surpassed it. I am, I am de-churched now. If you are de-churched, uh, you need to be churched. Because God's the one who wired this together. And I've been in a lot of different churches. I actually started one. And you know what they're full of? Problems. You know why? They're full of people like you. <laughs> yeah? Now, we're just people. Now, we're just people. But with Christ, we can help each other. And some churches are definitely just snake pits. If you run into one, don't feel like you have to stay. Move on. Find good, healthy fellowship. But you must do this. If you want to be casual in this matter, you're just going to be pretty anemic. If not, head in another direction. Fellowship. God's the one who gave us this. Our ministry is part of a team. That makes disciples. Ephesians 4, 15, 16 is a very interesting thing. The verse says, speaking the truth in love, we move on to grow in, in him. And then it goes on to say that he's the one that the whole body of Christ grows from. He's the head. As each part does its part. What this means is the overall growth takes place as you do your part. However, your growth takes place as a part of the overall growth, as you do your part. So you find a place, plug in a team. It's a part of what helps you stay strong. So these are, these, these are four things God has given. Now, you don't have to do them. You don't have to eat. But if you want to win the inner battle, and you're not taking, you know, Wheaties is the breakfast of champions, Right? If you're not eating your Wheaties, you're not going to do a 17-foot pole vault. If you're not using the spiritual nutrition God has given you, then you'll be weak, and they're just going to be continuing problems. Uh, second thing, you have to depend as part of his resources. You have to depend on him to supply two things, wisdom and strength. In temptation, um, you... You have, you have problems. If you get tempted, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm tempted, I'm tempted. I don't just say, wow, I'm being tempted. Isn't that terrible? I'm going, oh, I'm tempted. In temptation, whenever the pull is on you, you need to ask the Holy Spirit for help. Uh, so 
You acknowledge, uh, first of all, that because of what Christ did, sin's not your master. I don't have to do this. I hate to admit it, but I don't have to do this. If I just say, oh, I have, I just can't help it. <laughs> then I can sort of feel justified while I enjoy myself. But we know the truth now. We talked about that this morning, right? It's not your master. You can submit to it. And you, you may want to. But you acknowledge that. Sin's not your master. You don't have to obey it. That's what the Bible meant by saying, count yourself dead to sin. You say, that's not my master. Ask for God's help. Ask for the Holy Spirit's help. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, if you're in temptation, he will make a way of escape for you. Here's the problem. When the way comes, you better run. If you say, oh, that's a nice way. Could we have a better way? You're like somebody with a line snarling at them, coming up on them. And somebody says, here's a hand, help. I don't like that kind of hand. Would you please present a much nicer hand down here to drag me out of this? No, no. You take what he gives. But he will help you. Uh, Ask for his help and then trust him to give you wisdom and strength. There are a lot of times that you're going to find yourself just worn out and you don't have what it takes. And you ask God, God, please give me strength. And God does. But if you don't ask, it usually doesn't come. The Lord, the scripture says you don't ask God, so you don't get it. So what I'm, ta- what I'm talking about is not just a nice thought. What I'm talking about is when you're in a tempting situation, you must do this. If you don't do this, it's not coming. The help's not coming. But if you, will, if you will humble yourself and ask, God will give help. I've been in situations where I'm just really being tempted, and I asked the Lord for help, and the power of the temptation would break, and I had to move them. Because if I wait, it'll come and take me. Uh, and then, one last thing. Uh, take practical steps to deal with sin. Uh, God, as God shows you stuff you need to change, you stop the old patterns and you start right ones, new right ones. Now, the Bible calls this put off, put on. Put off anger, wrath, malice. Colossians 3. Put on love, patience, kindness. Now, when you're in a situation, sometimes you're in the middle of sort of a battle and you're not thinking, I need to put off wrath. You're thinking, I just want to kill him. That's when you, oh, help, Holy Spirit, I want to kill him. Help me right now. Uh, but if you are, if you have realized there is this pattern of anger in your life and you, you get angry pretty easily, you need to start thinking about how that's triggered and what's going on and begin to change the way you are dealing with stuff so the anger begins to die away. That's what I'm talking about. It's not the situational, I want to kill him. It's the You know, Monday I want to kill him. Wednesday I want to kill him. Friday I want to kill him. Okay, why are you wanting to kill him? Let's think this through, and let's start making some changes in our mentality here. You have to put off and and then put on the right thing. You know one of the things that's the opposite of anger? If you want to get rid of anger. Compassion. is an opposite. One of the things you do whenever you're getting angry is you look at the situations through the other person's eyes. There have been times with my children when they were little. They were doing stuff and other things need to be happening. I'm getting angry and the Lord just says, look at it from his angle. 
Um, I, my wife has actually gotten down on the floor to look at it from their angle before. Yeah, do you know how big a cookie is to a child? <laughs> now, if you had a cookie relative size to the head, your cookie would be this big. <laughs> they, they experience things from a very different angle. And what you get angry at in their world may look very different. Sometimes your friends are doing things that are causing anger. And you stop before you explode. You stop and you ask yourself, how is she looking at this situation? What's going on from her angle, not mine, hers or his? Compassion. It doesn't immediately stop everything, but it begins to change a lot. Anyway, put off and put on. Uh, one, one other thing, the flesh has to be repeatedly dealt with. By the way, you're going to be using this in a moment. It has to be repeatedly dealt with, or it will resurge and overwhelm you. Here's, here's the rule. What wins is what you feed. I heard a story one time about a guy who said what was going on inside was like two dogs fighting. A good dog and a bad dog. The fellow said, which one wins? He said, the one I feed. This, this is the way it goes. If you, um, if you do things that stimulate the old desires, you think about the old desires, whether it's someone that you were jealous of, you just hated. You begin to think about that, or if it's lust. You know, guys tend to lust for sex, women tend to lust for relationships. And you start thinking about that wonderful relationship of the past. And here we go. You start entertaining this stuff, it starts bringing stuff back with it. Or, um, you know, you, you, you listen to the wrong music, do the wrong music, or the wrong movies. And we had some, had some single ladies one time went to see an old movie Steve Martin played in, uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. And um, they came away, came away, I mean, they're like 25, 26, came away sort of mad at God. And the reason was, this guy, I mean, he had a horribly big nose. But he at least loved this woman so much. Why hadn't God brought someone along to love them like that. And they just sort of got mad at God. I said, I'm talking to them. I said, you need to understand. That was just light playing on a movie screen up there. Cyrano doesn't exist. <laughs> he never was. You're real. That's not real. But, you know, you start feeding your mind with stuff, it starts going places. Um, you know, porn, it just mouse click away. Uh, I read some statistics the other day. The one, that, one out of every three women now is watching porn uh, on her phone. If you're doing that, stop it. Because uh, this, this is very, very different. A porn will just eat your life out. I've watched it destroy people. It is not lightweight stuff. So do not do this. It's worse on women than it is men. Recent studies come out, the effects of porn on good marriages. Here's the way it goes. Good uh, marriages that people say are good have about a 6% chance of divorce, 6% divorce rate over a certain period of time. 
If a guy gets into porn, the husband, that goes to 12%. If the wife gets into porn, it goes to 16. Almost three times. There's a lot of, a lot of work being done about this right now. So, uh, if just don't get into it. It'll take control of your life. There's stuff that happens with the enemy with porn that will take you out of control. I said, if you're into it, get help. Get out. Uh, but if you, if you feed this stuff, it's going to come after you. The movies, TV, the Internet, video games. You know, uh, enough, enough experiences on a movie screen or on a video screen, enough experiences, mediated experiences, register in your brain over time as though you've had the real experience. You don't want to do this to yourself. Think. What happens is, if you do this, you strengthen the flesh, and it will grow stronger, and it will overwhelm you. You don't want to feed the thing. So, um, you, you, what you're doing is you're bas- basically taking a tub bath in an ungodly perspective, and then you're, you're setting your desires on flame. I'll tell you what, once you get your desires stirred up, they'll warp and melt the best set of values you've ever seen. You, you can't do this. Uh, years ago, computer guys had a phrase, gigo. That's back before computers got really simple. This is a high-sounding phrase, gigo. Garbage in, garbage out. You dump in the stuff, and out comes the programming results. What you dump into your head is what comes out in your life. You want a garbage life? Hey, there's a way to have it. Uh, what wins is what you feed. If you neglect, neglect God's resources, you weaken your walk in the spirit and drift toward indulging the flesh. If you're, just not, if you're not eating your Wheaties, you'll just gradually weaken, and you'll start drifting that direction. If you regularly engage God's resources and don't indulge the old desires, uh, the old desires will weaken. They will not go away. They're going to be with you. And you can re-inflame them if you want to. Uh, but your new way of life grows stronger. So, you know, Neil and uh, Jeff and David, your other campus ministers, have talked to you about quiet time if you've been around a while. This is not something nice. Your time in God's word and, and prayer just a little bit is key to walking in the Holy Spirit. It's not all that's involved, but it's key. So uh, you, you have to decide, what are you going to strengthen? Which one? I mean, it's really easy to strengthen the other. Hey, you go to college. It's all around you. And then besides that, you're on a computer. Uh, you know, you turn the computer on. It's sort of like they, they stick the jack in the back of your head in the matrix. Uh, you, 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 you want to feed the right stuff. Just make sure you're feeding the right stuff. You get strength to combat. Let me give you some practical advice. When you're struggling, when you're in a situation, there are two basic types of situations, and you take very different actions to get out of them. Number one, if you're in a situation where you're being tempted, that is, there's something here that you're being tempted to do or take or experience. 
And it's really tempting you. You deal with this by, by running. You get your body out of there. You, you don't want to, though. You want to stay. You don't want to sin. You just want to be tempted. You have to remove yourself. That's, that's one type of temptation. You must do this. If you do not, it will take you. Uh, second, the other one, you know, 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. You, have to, you run, you flee. That sounds like being chicken to me. Well, it's sort of like, again, you know, here you are facing a lion. It's hungry, it's snarling. Is it chicken to run? may not be smart. Maybe you need to climb a tree real fast. It is not chicken to get out of here because you cannot handle that. The other situation, though, you want to run. And the reason you want to run is what is ahead of you is just hard. I've heard people say, you know, that my marriage has gone too far. It's just too hard to try to put it back right. You know, I'm, I'm, I, want, I want out of here. Uh, you know, I've got myself in a real financial hole. It's just too hard to pay it all back. I really ruined this relationship. It is just too hard to go and confess sin and make things right. It's just too hard. Well, you want to run. In this kind of situation, you don't run. This is where you stay. You endure. You do right, and you endure. So understand, many times you don't want to run, but you must. Other times you want to run, and it will ruin you. You stay the stuff. Walking in the Spirit has to do with trying to walk in the realm of the Lord's desires. He's already in you. He's willing to give you power, willing to give you insight. But he is in you in such a way that you must choose. You're to be his partner. If you mess it up, confess it, and then walk on with him. Don't get into this self-condemnation. Walk on with him, but use his resources. 1 Corinthians 15.58 Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Okay. I've talked about winning the battle within. Primarily, you win it by indirect means. Instead of just saying, okay, devil, let's slug it out. No. You feed the right things, and the right things grow. You feed the wrong things, <laughs> they will grow. And you accept the Lord's favor and kindness in forgiving your sins. And you walk trying to listen to him. You, I, I hear from God very often. You know what he mostly says? Don't do that. Or you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I wish I got other messages. Unfortunately, I need those really bad. I, whenever he's speaking, listen to him. And don't, don't play games with him. But you must eat your Wheaties. If you don't mow your lawn, it turns into a jungle. If you don't eat your Wheaties, you won't win the race. This is something that you do over and over. You eat your Wheaties, you mow the lawn, you deal with the flesh over and over and over. It's repetitive. And so you keep this sort of mode back. We're going to talk about dealing with some other stuff tomorrow. But crucial to Christian growth, crucial to other areas of warfare, is just dealing with the inner battle. We all have it. If you battle, welcome to the real world. 
It's just the way it is. I do too. But you can <laughs> battle and move forward. You have a project. You have about 10 minutes with this. Five, five to 10. This is for you to evaluate. This, this one is personal. It's for you to evaluate your own practices. If you're not yet a Christ follower, this will give you some idea of what's involved in moving forward with Christ. But uh, let me ask you a question. Friend, we've talked about God's resources. What's your pattern in using them? Um, evaluate. This is not, uh, by the way, if you come up short, don't say, oh, I'm a terrible person, and go dragging around the camp the rest of the series. Just tell God, oh, yeah, I've been blowing off the opportunities you've given me. Thank you for forgiving me. Let me move forward. However, if you don't evaluate where you're at, it's hard to move from where you don't know where you are. So let's, let's evaluate. And then, uh, then I will, I, I, my time is up here. The next person will come up and end the, end the session for us. So you evaluate now. This is for you and for your own help. Tomorrow we're going to talk about printing. Printing. It'll be fun.